I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, it certainly is. It's my favourite time of the week uh, where I get to sit down with a nice glass of red wine with Mark Schwarzer. Mark, is it your favourite time of the week, do you, do you think, as well? Or what do you reckon? Is that, is that a true statement? Well, in these times, it certainly is one of my favourite moments of the week, that's for sure. sure. Um, you're right up there, mate. You're probably up there in my top three, whereas previously you probably were uh, mid-table. Mid-table, yeah. So yes. it's just a real, real Everton of a, yes. of a day. Yeah. So where all the other leagues around the world, all the other sports, the, the tables have stagnated. Everyone's just stayed where they are. You've progressed, mate. So you've got you've to gotta actually think, you know what? I'm in a pretty good position here. I've done well in this isolation. You've progressed up the leader table. I have. I have. Um, no, I, I certainly can't complain. Um, I've been. My, I feel like my footballing knowledge has also been improved because, of course, if you haven't uh, tuned in, make sure you do um, every day on Optus Sports social channels. Uh, you, Mark, uh, do a, a, a trivia, a football trivia with Michael Bridges and John Aloisi, and not only is it great entertainment, but it's it's very interesting. You, you've got to. I mean, you lost today, for example, but your your knowledge. I got to I got to take my hat off to you. It's as if you you know what you're talking about sometimes. Yeah, sometimes that was the key word that you used there. Sometimes, yeah. Listen, I know they call it isolation football trivia, but I'm I'm going to rename it. It's got to be the Michael Bridges John Lewisy isolation football trivia stitch up. So um, yeah, because it has been. Let's be honest, it's been a stitch up of late, and I've not had any tappings like the boys have had tonight. Was another example. Tonight was a great example of. You know, I've got a chance to finish second. Equal points with John Aloisi. What happens? They come up with a question that is Michael Bridges, John Aloisi. It's the game they played in 1998 or whatever it was, 99, uh, Leeds United against Coventry City. Let's be honest, right? Who cares? Who cares about that game? Totally. But those two both played it and they both scored. What, you know, what was the score? And I'm like, this is just rigged. I could have finished second <laughs> instead. What happens? I finished third, last. Yeah, see, what, what I think, if, you, if you're up for it, that is, that every time um, we do a Two Sharp Reds episode, what are your thoughts if I just do a, a, you know, four, four, four or five questions all tailored towards you just to get your confidence back up? You know, oh, mate, like, I think it would go a long way, mate. It would help me, it would help me in my ego, yeah. and it definitely make me feel better because I'm feeling a little bit uh, sensitive right now. I'm feeling a little bit yeah. hurt, and I could do with a cuddle, mate. Yeah, well, you know, it'll be things like, you know, name four people who have played for Middlesbrough, that kind of thing. Actually, don't answer it just in case you get it wrong, because then, <laughs> then we're set up for a really average episode. Uh, but I'll tell you what's not average, um, and that's that's the red wine that we're trying today. Um, I've been experimenting with um, you know different recipes in the kitchen lately, Mark, and I felt I wanted to get in touch with my, my high society side, you know, my slightly posher side. So 
I've gone for a red wine that I picked up at uh, at Audi, uh, <coughs> as you do. And it's the. I'm so excited to say this word. I've been very keen all weekend. It's uh, a bottle of Chateau Neuf de Pap. Wow, uh, you've yeah. been practicing, haven't you? I How have, long have you been practicing? Oh, How long three... did you actually go over? Did you look at yourself in the mirror while she did it? Yeah, yeah, with a beret on, just going, "Come on, don't stuff it up." Chateau Neuf de Pap. And I, look, I think I absolutely nailed it. It's a beautiful uh, bottle, and it's described here as a full-bodied red wine that's made from vineyards. Uh, in the heart of France, uh, in the valleys in the south, uh, broad and flat with no steep slopes compared to the north. Uh, the climate in the south is much hotter and drier and the soil is made of small pebbles that store heat in the day and radiate at night. This climate is perfect for the Grenache grape. And it says here you can experience aromas of red fruits, strawberry and raspberry, touches of leather. Now, this is a, an interesting one, Mark, we've not touched on. What What's with this leather... Uh, aroma that that seems to pop up so many times in the reds we're having is that does that come from the barrel or is that a just a circumstantial byproduct that's actually got nothing to do with leather well i I mean i've got my own theory on this right so i think a type of person that may drink it they may be wearing leather whether they Uh, they drink it wearing leather pants um other sorts of attire whether it's a leather, leather skirt yep. um, maybe they're producing the wine whilst wearing their leather horses maybe who yeah. knows oh. I, don't, I don't know maybe maybe in that part of the world they actually have uh, gone and transitioned into wearing leather horses or maybe they always have who knows man I'm not really sure and to be perfectly honest with you I could actually see you wearing leather horses and I think you would wear them with a lot of pride Thank you, Mark. That actually means a, a lot for me to, you know, the, the thought of me getting my, my, my southern pins out in the wind and, you know, I, just, I, I think it'll look good and, and I really appreciate that, Mark. So, look, let's get into the Chateau Neuf de Pop. Cheers. Cheers, mate. And a reminder, if you've just tuned in to Two Sharp Reds uh, for the first time uh, here every episode, we do like to uh, compare uh, that bottle of wine to a player past or present, which I'm sure we'll do our best to, to try and do. But look, let's get stuck into the football, Mark. And during this time of isolation, it feels like in the last even two to three days, we've we've started to see some positive movements in going into the right direction to get back to where we, we're wanting to go. So let's start with, I mean, let's start with the Premier League, I suppose. Uh, and the news that the, the league is hoping to restart on June the 8th and complete it by July 27. I mean, what, what, what's your initial thoughts on this? Is this um, a little bit hopeful or, or are we actually starting to see the time where we are going to get back to normal? I, I think that's a result of what we're seeing around in other parts of Europe. So we see the Italians have gone back to training. We've seen the Germans have been back training for a while now and they're actually down to start on the 9th of May. So in just over, so I think it's just about 12 days time, 11 days time, the German Bundesliga is going to restart. It's a massive, massive, big um, uh, documentation. I think it's 50,000 pages of how it's going to work. There's limited numbers of people who are going to be involved. I mean, you could just imagine the organisational headache that involves this in this particular moment in time. You know, whether it's you know it's to do with players, staff members, people running the game. You know, where are teams going to stay? When they have to travel long distances, uh, other end of the country, where are they going to stay? Uh, hotels mostly are not open. How is that going to work? I mean, it's an organi- organizational hazard. Um, maybe they're just going to fly in the day of the game and fly back out again. That would, that would uh, eliminate any risk in terms of hotel staff staying overnight. They'd stay at home. Maybe they'd stay at the training base. I'm not really sure. Um, but they'll all obviously have it all ticked off. 
And um, I think the rest of Europe particularly are looking at going, okay, if the Germans can do it, the Germans can do it, maybe we can do it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, to- yeah, totally. Um, one, one thing that uh, the AFL uh, CEO, Gillian McLaughlin's come out and said, you know, it's very likely to get the AFL back in business. They're going to be doing um, selected hubs around the country and sending a selection of teams down there. Obviously, Australia's been hit with COVID-19 in an com- incredibly different way to, to the Europe. But do you think that that's something in domestic leagues that we could see as a genuine option? Like, let's say, for example, in England, you've got, uh, you know, a camp down, uh, camp down in Brighton, one all the way up the top, you know, near Newcastle and, and somewhere in the middle, for example. Yeah, I, I can see it happening. The thing about Australia and, and this, whole, this whole virus situation, Australia has been very fortunate in so many ways and have contained it really, really well. And, 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 and the numbers are so, so few, which is, which is brilliant. The danger is you start something, you get a group of people together and there could be a massive outbreak. We saw it here in the UK, Cheltenham Race Festival. They've, they've proven now it was a hub of, of, of uh, spreading the infection. And people in that area who live around that area and have been involved in Cheltenham, there's a high number of people who have actually got the, the disease. So we've got, you know, got to be very, very careful in the way it's done. But I can see it in Australia, sport resuming, and even fans being able to go to sport I think sooner than most places because of the way they've been able to contain the virus which has been been brilliant um, the rest of the world I think we're going to find for, for a number of at least months where we're going to have sporting events taking place with very very few if any well any paying fans in there watching the game so uh, if we take the Premier League for example giving out these rough guidelines of hoping to restart on the 8th of June and finish by July 27, it's pretty clear uh, that the English FA are very clean or, are keen on one way or another finishing this season that we've come you know, so close to finishing anyway. But the Eredivisie has announced that they have abandoned their seasons. The current top two in Ajax and AZ Alkmaar. Is that how you say it, Mark? Yeah, you've done well, mate. You've done well. You've listened. Yeah, you're in a roll today. Your pronunciation's brilliant. How good is that? So they will be going to the Champions League as it stands. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts by this? I mean, I've seen a few words float around online saying this is just disgraceful. It totally puts the you know the good name of, of um, Dutch football just totally down the gurgler is that is that how you see it or, or is this a pretty good result I think it's a little bit premature um, listen I'm no expert on the, on the on the on the on the virus nor you know nor are the most are the, the most of us I think you know I think it's just a little bit premature to end it now maybe it is a case of they're thinking well Alex is going to win it doesn't matter um, you know, you could easily say the same thing about, even more so, about the, the Premier League over here with Liverpool. It goes further than that. It, 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 for me, you know, not only is it about winning title, but it's also about how who finishes in European positions. There's too many teams that are vying for those positions, and even probably more important are the relegation and promotion positions. Absolutely. How do you how do you judge that? The best scenario is to try and fulfil the season. Everyone knows that. But we may come to a point where that is actually impossible, impossible to complete. Then, then there's big question marks. How do you? What do you do? Does the whole season become null and void? Does it become a season as if it never even existed, almost? Which would be a travesty in so many ways, particularly for Liverpool and what they've been able to accomplish thus far. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, listen, I hope that that doesn't come to. We don't come to that situation. I hope that the season is able to be fulfilled and of course Liverpool are going to win the win the you know the Premier League there's for me there's no doubts whatsoever um, but 
the question is, if they can't fulfil the season, how can you award Liverpool with a title if none of the, none of the other deci- other positions are, are are being able to determine? What happens? Does it become a lottery? Do you pull things out of the hat? How do you complete it? And that must be an absolute nightmare for all the organisation organising committees across the world to try and get to the end of, get to the bottom of. So if we're looking at one, uh, so if we're looking at, say, Syria, for example, which you touched on, they've been um, allowed to resume training after the Italian Prime Minister. Here we go again, Mark, with my uh, pronunciation. Giuseppe Conte. Oh, nailed it. Oh, that's an easy one. Let's be honest. That was an easy one. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was... A, that was a, you did put that in a good spot for me. Um, but he's, uh, he's the rule of social distancing. So if you're... So, OK, let's... For argument's sake, if you're Juventus and you're allowed to go back to training... How do we see, do you think, training drills change for the moment? Because we were sort of saying just before we started recording that, you know, when we get the all clear that we're allowed to go out, no, part of you just goes, yeah, but does it really disappear after a day? You know, uh, we might feel a little bit on edge about putting ourselves in certain situations, public transport or busy, busy, you know, bars or restaurants or whatever it might be because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's all very new to us. So... If we're talking about being allowed to go back to training in one of the most hit countries in the world, how do you reckon drills will change? Will there be, I'm assuming, no contacts, or is there contact anyway, or or, or will it be very much the same? Um, that's a really good question, and, I, and it really depends on on what the experts decide as being the safest way to to, to progress with it. Are the, what are what are the restrictions on getting back together to train? You know, I'm sure that there'll be recommendations on how how players are to to um, to mingle, how are they allowed to interact. Are they allowed? Are social distancing rules going to be in place also within the building? Do players not get changed? Uh, not all the players get changed in the same in the same uh, room. Do they split them up? I, I don't know. I mean, you would think they're going to have to continue those sorts of social distancing. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, the other question is, do you do you kind of take your team into quarantine itself? You have your own quarantine set up um, at a training base. Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, we've already seen now, listen, there are lots of people out there, not just footballers, but lots of people who couldn't adhere to to the regulations right now and have have broken social distancing rules. We've seen it non-stop throughout this whole period of time. So it's going to be a nightmare. Um, And all you need is one person to get it. If one person comes down with it, the whole club has to shut down because there's a possibility and a big possibility then that they're going to spread it. They've spread it across in that environment. So it is, I think it's going to be a treading lightly Exploring different avenues, having the the advice, the medical advice, and and tiptoeing along and seeing, tread very lightly and seeing if it's going to work. Mark, uh, it's been a, I mean, so far in the episode, it's been quite newsy. Like we've we've got, I mean, you've, I can see now you've got your your glasses on. Um, we're taking things quite seriously this week, aren't we, Mark? We are, we, you know, we've, we've got a little bit serious side, and I think it's about due because we, you know, we over the last couple of weeks we've tried to be light-hearted, we've tried to, you know, look at the funny side of things, which we generally always try and do. Um, and uh, I think every now and then to, to talk about the real issues, um, and particularly in this moment in time, I think it's about right. Um, we, we do discuss possibly how it could go go forward. 
Um, but there's no doubt we're going to have a bit of fun as well. Oh, right, that's that's right. But you know, whenever you say to me, "Geez, that's a good question, Ollie," you, you know, you know, it's a serious episode. Have I yeah. said that yet? I don't even yeah. know. Have I said uh, that to you? Yeah, yet? you have. Uh, in another episode? No, 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 no. No. Well, I'm not even sure if I actually even said it in this episode, but I'll have to listen you, to the Yeah, you just I'll have to listen it. to the recording. Just said it. Uh so let's let's uh let's talk about something seriously for or, you know, one more serious uh topic and, and then we'll have a bit of fun. Um I just want to ask you about Newcastle United and the possible takeover um that they're facing uh with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh I mean there's What's his name? What's his name? Mohammed bin Salman. Good mate, well done. Yeah, Thank mate, you. you are flying. I know, I know, I know. Just don't ask me to say any tennis players' names. They are my <laughs> absolute Achilles heel. Um, but it's 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 been a, an interesting one, and I, I remember quite distinctly. Uh, and I suppose um, a little bit of background on the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. There's some very questionable. Uh, stories about the way that he's run Saudi Arabia, um, if you, you're not aware. But what is interesting, Mark, that the people of Newcastle, when I went up there for for up to sport, and we, we spoke with the, the people in the street and the fans, you know, the one thing they said to me was how desperate they were to have Mike Ashley leave. You know, they went, he doesn't represent us, it, everything. You know, they just, he wasn't a man... For Newcastle, you can't tell me with some of these horrible, you know, stories of having people dismembered and and you know executed that this is a man, a man that represents the northeast of England too. I mean, it just it doesn't check out in my eyes. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and he is the the, the big financial backer that's involved in the consortium. We're alleged to uh, we're led to believe. The woman who's actually leading is Amanda Staveley. So she is English. She's from the north, not necessarily from the northeast, but is is not far from there. Um, and uh, so you know they do have a face that is that is English and is from the north of England. Whether or not they believe that that's going to be more of a connection, um, I'm, I'm, I'm doubtful. But then this is the big question now. It'd be interesting now if you were able to go back up there and interview the Newcastle fans about this current situation. Who would they rather have? Would they rather keep hold of Mike Ashley or would they take this consortium that will make them the richest club on the planet? And I think the vast majority would say, take it. Mm, they would. Because ultimately, all they'll be thinking about is down the line and maybe it will be even next season, the season after, whatever it is, they will be able to contest for things. Um, they will be at the other end of the table. They'll have a completely different team. Um, and then, and this is the thing always. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful. You know, it's, it, and then like the saying goes, sometimes it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Um, but let's see. Um, watch this space, and it's going to be a very, very interesting ride for, for Newcastle United and their fans. You can certainly see why you'd be tempted. I mean, this, this is everything that they've been crying out for for such a long time. But if, you've, if you're complaining about someone in Mike Ashley that, you know, he, you know, he owns Sports Direct, he doesn't give um, his employees... Um, he's got, sorry, zero-hour contracts for his employees. It's either that or a man who's executed people. And I refuse to believe that the good people of Newcastle, if they really, really thought about it... I mean, this is starting to go beyond financial fair play and genuinely getting human rights involved because it, it, it doesn't seem just when other financial 
big players like Etty had, for example, while financial fair play might come into things, the things they've been able to do for the Manchester area uh, and being able to give back to the community has been fantastic. So, <laughs> you know, you've got that. It's just, it, do you think that, that human rights needs to start being looked at with this or or does it still need to be just governed within and, and the FA can sort of decide whether or not they find it appropriate or not? Well, the understanding first and foremost from the FA is that uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, I don't know 100%, but from what, what you're hearing at the moment is that they're not looking at They're looking at just the financial side of things. Are they able to afford it? Are they able to invest? Are they a solid investor? Do, do they take all that into consideration? You'd like to think they should and they would. I, I would think they would um, because first and foremost, it's about the brand. It's about the game itself. It's about the Premier League and surely they should be very concerned about who wants to invest in their game. It's all about the right imaging, image, portraying the right image around the world. And like you said, Newcastle uh, United fans, if they, will, if they want to stick to their morals and stick to their complaints about Mike Ashley and saying he's not one of us. He's not, you know, he's not in line with our beliefs and how we, you know, what we feel for our club. How is this person any better? If anything, arguably, could be worse. Um, and that's going to be interesting what happens. Are, are Newcastle just going to go from from one fire to another one, to a, a, like a volcanic eruption now? Who knows? Um, you know, listen, let's not forget also, way back at the beginning when Mike actually took over the club, they loved him. He was standing in behind. He was standing in with a crowd behind the goal, drinking pints of beer with them in a Newcastle shirt, supporting the team, a team that he supports. So we're talking about an investment company who who don't actually support. They're not. They're not. They're not supporters of the football club. They will be once they take over, but they're not really diehard, true and true fans. Mm. And for what you know, for all the negativity around Mike, actually, he's still run them now as a as a pretty well run business. Yeah, they're not investing heavily, but he's an owner of a business. And if he feels like he wants to take a return on his investment, he's more than entitled to do so. And unfortunately, what happens with football clubs, and I totally understand it, is because people are so emotional about it, they see it as no one should be taking anything from it. They should be just pumping it back in, and this team should be built up to being the most successful possible team we can ever have. Um, so people, people get a little bit... I think clouded in, in their in their ideas of how this football club, a football club, not just Newcastle, most football clubs are run. They need to first and foremost be run like a business. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, how are you enjoying your Chateau Neuf de Pup? I'm enjoying it almost as much as your pronunciations, yeah. mate. I not think not quite really, as much, though. No, yeah, not quite as much, but uh, it's right up there again, and I think you're in the top three. Uh, like you've progressively moved uh, throughout this quarantine period, you have moved up in the standings. How good is that? That's unreal. Yeah. It says here on, on the back of uh, the bottle that it suits um, a duck breast really well. And, and duck's an interesting uh, meat that we've not talked about when it comes to matching it with a red wine. Um, lamb, yeah. uh, steak, um, you know, beef steak, obviously. Yeah, these are some of the meats that have come up. But, but duck's an interesting one. I would, in my head, would combine that maybe with a, a white. Or, would you? No. Yeah, p- possibly. No, it's possibly. It's kind of like gaming. Uh, ducks a little yeah. bit gay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Amy, uh, nowhere near as extreme as, as, say, if you're having venison or anything like that. No way you're bo- a wild boar or anything like that. But it's a little what? bit... Uh, so, wild boar? You can't... Have you had wild boar? Of course you do. Yeah, wild boar sausages, wild boar. Yeah, Absolutely. You never had that before. You, know, you don't know what you're doing. In England, it's 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 prolific here in England as well. Where about? You need to get yourself out a little bit more, at, particularly what, in the north. Ten Downing Street. No, particularly. Well, obviously not. Um, he, he doesn't look like he's been anywhere near a vegetable anyway. It's uh, <laughs> true. Let, let alone uh, anything a little bit exotic like that. Um, no, it's beautiful. No, beautiful. Wild boar is beautiful. I really enjoy it. I mean, I drop eating duck at home. Duck and geese. And, yeah. and obviously we had chickens as well so we had our own ducks and geese that we used to breed specifically for the table uh, love it duck is fantastic really really dark meat um, and I, I really really like it uh, Mark we've been hearing from uh, some of the players that you've been uh, that you've had a, a great career with um, uh, last week we heard from Janino which was which was a sensational chat and this week we're, we're going to hear a clip from another uh, person you played with uh, and that's Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Chelsea was in, in big need of, of, of cash. Um, got a call from an agent saying that Barcelona was interested in, in signing me. Um, obviously, I, I was happy in London and, and, and at Chelsea, but, you know, Mark, if, if Barcelona comes and knocking, you have, to, you have to think about it. Um, then the two clubs start talking and, and they agree a, a, a fee. Um, we have an away game at Man United. Ranieri asked me, do you want to play? Um, you're not going to say no playing at Old Trafford. Of course. Uh, uh, I wanted to play. I played knowing that everything was sorted. I just needed to sign the contract. Uh, we had an agreement. My contract was sorted, blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to play one more last game. Um, first 10 minutes. Uh, Gary, no, not Gary. Phil Neville just smashed me, absolutely smashed me. Ankle. I have to come off. My ankle is swollen. I have to come off, thinking I've jeopardized my move. Yeah. Uh, so I ice my ankle as you do. Blah blah blah. I drive back now uh, home with the bus, thinking, be really quiet, thinking that that the game that the that the that the transfer is, is gone um, Barcelona is playing Valencia that, 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 that day as well and our good friend Mandi- Mendieta yeah plays for Valencia <laughs> yeah so how the, this is how it all aligns this is where it all aligns <laughs> exactly our good friend Mendieta plays for Valencia and Valencia end up smashing Barcelona at that place in the now camp. Yeah. I think I think 3-0 or, or 3-1 or whatsoever. And uh, after the game, Van Gaal gets sacked. Oh no. Yeah, Van Gaal gets sacked. You cry. Oh, oh mate. You have no idea. I can imagine. So Van, 
So Van Gaal gets sacked, but Van Gaal was the one that really wanted me over there. Of course. Yeah? And was, was, was fighting because I played for Van Gaal in, in the Dutch national team. So he wanted me at, 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 to take me to Barcelona. Um, he gets sacked and I get a call from my agent saying the deal is off because they're going to get a new manager and the new manager wants to assess what he has first and, and take it from them. No. Deal off. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That, 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 is, that is football for you. I know. Thinking, thinking that I've done it myself with my ankle, saying nothing, saying absolutely nothing to my agent about my ankle. Yeah. yeah. Thinking by yourself time, watching the match, seeing that they're getting smashed, finding out that he got sacked, getting a call the next day from my agent, he lives off. How long were you injured for? Would, would that have jeopardized your, your, your move, you reckon? Oh, uh, the, the injury was not that bad i was i was out for a couple of weeks okay i was out for a couple of weeks but it wouldn't it wasn't broken or something it was swollen it was okay. ligaments yeah you know so uh i think the deal would still have gone ahead would have maybe slowed it down a little bit but it would have definitely go go ahead yeah so that season you finish off the season you still score 15 goals as as kind of a, a squad player is that fair to say you, you were in and out of the team yeah, uh, that was that was the 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 season that I was. Yeah, um, Ranieri was was more uh, playing around with the strikers, you know. Um, uh, then uh, Gianfranco. Then I I think that was that was our worst season. I I think. Uh, League-wise, I think, or, 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 or am I wrong? Uh, um, actually, I'm not quite sure. It could have possibly been. I just know you weren't playing very regularly. You even scored more than, uh, uh, sorry, one fewer than, than Zola, who actually played more games than you, loads more games than yeah. you. So yeah. you, you weren't far behind him. Um, then you go, you know, two, actually, you were there for four seasons. Three out of the four seasons, you're leading goal scorer for the club. So it must have yeah. been a very special time for you to have been at Chelsea. That must have a special place in your heart? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I must say uh, Leeds, uh, Leeds as well for different reasons. Um, but I, I must say I, I've played my best football at, at, at Chelsea. Um, I've learned so much at, at Chelsea uh, because of the players that I played with over there. Um, um, it was a very important time. I think everything for every for every you have been, you pick moments what was important. But I think at Chelsea, I can't pick one. There, there are every year something happened really important that that made me better and and also appreciate of where I was. I wouldn't have been there if I wouldn't have played for Leeds and, and, and those things happened, don't get me wrong. But but I think I matured so much more at Chelsea as a player, you know, um, because of, of what was around me as well. You had to hold your own. Yeah. And you know yourself when you are 
when you were at Leicester and you had all these good players, you had to hold your own. But then when you go to Chelsea, with all the respect of Leicester, with all the respect of Leicester, it is it is a little bit different. Uh, no, no, it's very different. It's very, very different. Not, you know, you, you're trying to be nice. You're trying to be too complimentary. It's a different level altogether. When I went from, you know, from obviously from Fulham to Chelsea, it's a different level altogether. And then you kind of, you're stepping down. I went from a yeah. team that's going to win the league to a team that is barely going to stay in the Premier League, which we did in the end. Um, the step on, on every level is remarkably different, as you know, you know, going from even Atletico then going to Chelsea. And then obviously the biggest move of your career, of course, let's not, let's not beat around the bush, 2004-05, you signed for the mighty Borough. Steve McLaren entices you, convinces you, it's your first dealing with him to come up north to the northeast. Had you even been there before, other than played there? Have you ever been there? No, 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 no. <laughs> only played, only played, only you had, played. You had a couple of choices though, didn't you? You could have gone to Fulham, you could have gone to Celtic and Rangers. Why Middlesbrough? Yeah. No, I, I wanted to stay in the Premiership. Uh, yep. I wanted to stay in the Premiership. Uh, I could have gone to Fulham, but you go from Chelsea to, 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 to Fulham. Uh, it's, it's next door. I don't think that that was the right move, you yep. know. Um, and also, uh, you wanted to be, if you're going to go away from Chelsea, go away from Chelsea. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't go to neighbors and then drive by all the time and 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 look at the stadium and you know uh, no. Um, I could have gone to AC Milan, but I was going to be a bench player. Uh, I didn't want that. Uh, could have gone to Besiktas, but didn't really want to go to to Turkey. Um, so uh, I got a call from. Uh, um, Believe it or not, from Georgie Porchi first. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I got a call from uh, George Boateng. And um, he said, uh, I need to call you for uh, for Steve McLaren. He just wants to find out if you uh, have got appetite of coming. And then I asked him, uh, what are you thinking? What... what, what uh, what is the club about? You know, um, he then had only good things to say, yeah. you know, about the club, about the players. He wasn't sure about the goalkeeper, but he, he... <laughs> that's standard, man. But... That, that was pretty standard, I think. <laughs> no, but but he he loved it. He said we have got a really good team, and you know, with you we can um, get even stronger, and this and that, and. Um, yeah. Um, then, then Steve called and said, Jim, uh, you are one of the players that we want, uh, but we also want Mark Viduka. And, and I couldn't really believe that. You know? Uh, and I had the two of you in the one team, you mean? Or yeah. We're, we're going to go out and buy those players. Yeah, yeah. He, he said, uh, I want to play you and Viduka up front. We want to play two strikers, this and that. And, and I really, I really like that because I've always liked Mark as, as, as a player, you know. Uh, and, and for me, you know, uh, you know, I, I want to win, as you, as you know. 
so for me to to uh, to make the decision, it was it was easy. Uh, and I must say, I, I I enjoyed my time really. I, I really enjoyed my time at Bora. Uh, we had a hell of a team. So, Mark, obviously that's uh, that chat there was uh, taken out of a, a, again a, a lengthier chat, which will be available uh, on all the Optus Sport platforms very soon. Uh, how would you sum his career up? Do you think looking back, he he had. A great career. He played a lot of teams. Uh, how do you think he's been remembered? Let's say in the Premier League. I, I think he's he'll be or has been remembered as one of the uh, one of the, the top strikers to have played in the Premier League. Not the top top, but one of the top strikers. I mean, I thought he was a, a fantastic player. You know, I think he was twice, if not three times, leading goal scorer in the Premier League joint. Uh, Definitely joint scorer once. I think he won it by himself once. So I think twice he's done it. Um, the, fun, the, the, the the interesting thing about Jimmy is I actually thought that he'd won a lot more silverware. Right. I was surprised at how few silverware he'd actually won. Um, but then when he was at Chelsea, it was just before the takeover from Abramovich. It was just before um, when uh, Mourinho came to the club. Uh, it was that period of time when then they brought in uh, Jean-Claude Grisola, Claudio Ranieri as the manager. So it was a very different period of time. And uh, I, listen, I, I thought he was an excellent, excellent player. I mean, he went to Atletico Madrid, scored, I think it was 18 goals in the season. They got relegated. It was a disaster for him. Lost the cup final as well. Um, he was phenomenal at Leeds before that. Um, then Chelsea was very good and then came to Middlesbrough and he didn't score as many goals at Middlesbrough but scored some very important goals and it was more about his attitude it was more about that that different level that level of ex- you know, I found it with a few players when they came to Middlesbrough uh, Paul Ince Christian Ziga uh, Mendieta a bit less because I think more about the language but also with Juninho back then Ravinelli is the demand for their teammates mm. And that's probably one of the biggest issues back then for Ravinelli. His demand on the teammates around him was so high that nobody got it. They couldn't understand. They just thought he was arrogant. They thought he was he was mad. Um, they just thought, you know, he just thought he was better than everyone. But then as the time went on, when you had players like Andy Townsend came, when uh, Paul Ince came, they demanded for everyone. They shouted, they screamed, they, they were angry at people. They would just demand the most from you every time. And that was the biggest difference. And Jimmy Floyd-Asplay was the same. At times, he was a nightmare to play with because he would just shout, scream. The ball didn't come exactly where he wanted it. You copped an earful. And it was always trying to push people, always trying to get the best out of people. Some would say it's not the great way, the most productive way of doing it, but that was the way that people do it. And I found that when I went to Chelsea as well. There was such a high level of performance that all of a sudden I've walked into Chelsea and you've got 22 players who are actually demanding that. And it's kind of the norm, and, and no one, no one even blinks an eye because that's what they expect. Whereas at Ch- uh, when I was at Middlesbrough, um, and even at, even at uh, when I was at Fulham, Danny Murphy was the same. People used to pull it out playing with him. They used to think he's a grumpy old man and just a nightmare. And but his demand on his teammates, the pressure he would put on people around him, was so so high because they used to playing with top top class players. All the What's time. an easier transition? Do you think? Let's take Middlesbrough for example, going from Middlesbrough to Chelsea or Chelsea to Middlesbrough at that in that period. Let's say for the, for yeah for that that era. I know. I think it's I think it's definitely more difficult for a player like Jimmy to come from Chelsea to Middlesbrough. 
because you're let's be honest you're stepping down you're, you're, you're stepping down in terms of club the expectation even Chelsea at that time you know Chelsea beat us in a couple of uh, cup competitions uh, League Cup FA Cup a um, couple of seasons in a row then then you, you look at it and you go the players they have around them the success they use to the level of players they've got and then they come to Middlesbrough and you've got maybe a half of the numbers or a third of the quality players that he had played with previously so it's a real sense of frustration for them and I think that to tone it down is a lot more difficult I think you boil over a lot more often and that definitely was the case with Jimmy and any of those big name players when they came to the club Paul Merson was the same you know they saw things they saw the game differently they saw passes they saw movement that a lot of players didn't see that's why they played at the highest level uh, and a reminder, make sure you keep your eyes appealed on all Optus platforms for that full chat there uh, with Mark and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Mark, this Chateau Neuf de Pup is going down like a sunny, sunny day in Paris, you know, with a plate of escargot and some duck breast on the side. This is this is beautiful. Yeah, very, very nice, man. I'm really enjoying it. I mean, the leather, the leather sticks in my head. Yeah. The whole description about the leather, um, the red fruits, warm... Um, it's sticking in my head, mate, and, and I, I'm really, I'm, again, I like it. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a strong wine, and that's why I think it goes really well with, with the, uh, with the, uh, the duck. Mm, absolutely. Now, of course, here on Two Sharp Reds, we like to compare uh, the bottle of wine to a player, past or present. Mark, do you need, uh, do you need one or two more sips, or would you like to go first? No, I'll go, I'll go first, mate. I'm, I've got this player in my head, uh, and again, I'll revert back to that leather kind of taste that feel I'm not tasting the leather but all I'm thinking about is the leather right. it's obviously a really good quality wine um, anything that goes with duck um, I, I, like I said I'm a big fan of duck and so I'm going to I'm going to compare this wine with a player that I played with at Middlesbrough game another one so this is as if I'd played at Middlesbrough yeah, for a yeah, long time yeah. so many players yeah and uh, leather, like I said the leather sticks out of my head Lederhausen um, is there it's of different quality. It's of top, really, really good quality. The only thing it doesn't really fit is the warmth. Mm. Um, because this player wasn't particularly warm. He was very German-like, um, because he is German, sure. and not as warm. Um, and also you could see it was a, it was a, it was a kind of like a, a halfway house. He came to Middlesbrough as a, a just a, a I think he, he saw it more as a backward step to get his career back on track again, play a whole lot of games, show what he can do, and put himself in a shot window. And that worked for him because he stayed one season and moved off to Liverpool. And uh, listen, I was a big fan of him when he played for Germany. I thought he was a really, I played with him at Middlesbrough, a really good player to play with, uh, but he was pretty ruthless as well. So, and but a top, top quality player. And Leonard Horsen, no doubt. I've seen pictures of him wearing it when he was playing at Bayern Munich. And, and it's, a, it's a given. Every player who plays for Bayern Munich has to wear Leonard Horsen when they win the title. Because they win the title just about every year. And it's uh, none other than Christian Zieger. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. And it sparks a thought where I think I need to clip up all of these uh, you know, moments where you compare it to a player that might be not offensive, but slightly questionable. I mean, saying to him that he's not warming. I mean, I'd love to clip that up and send it to him just to see if. See if yeah, he but I think he, I think he'll agree that he's not warm. Yeah. He's not a warm person. He definitely isn't a warm person. It's that reserved, that straight. Oh no, I've got no problem saying it to him at all. No, absolutely Bring not. It Go on, clip it all up, all you like, mate. Clip Jeez. it up and give it to him. That chateau neuf de pop has gone straight to your head. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so, and enjoying it as well. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, for me, it was, it was a little bit more simple in the sense that there was one word that stood out, which is a common theme here on the Two Shout Reds, that there's either a flavour or an aroma. That it's the one thing that sticks with you. And for me, it was the sense that it's from the heart of France, but it also represents the heart of France. And okay. the heart of France could be many different players, past or present. Um, but for me, in particular, in terms of when I was growing up watching France, this this guy, he was he was everything. He was the poster boy. He was their favourite son, uh, the, in in every way, including the way he played off the field, and um, obviously in two thousand and six as well, and a little bit differently uh, in that World Cup final for him. But I'm going to have to say the heart of France, the heart of this Chateau Neuf de Pop, is is Zinedine Zidane. I think he is. For me, he's he's the true heart of, of the French national team. Isn't it amazing how he got away with that? Incredible. Swept that, under the carpet. He got away with that final, that 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 uh, mental mental snap where, let's be honest, he cost his team, yeah. well, any reasonable chance of winning the World Cup. And that, that is something. Um, but it's all been forgotten. Yeah. Uh, you know, he... You know, it's, it's amazing how players can get away with things. Like David Beckham was another one in terms of what happened at the World Cup with Simone. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he, I don't he think, a lot of abuse. I don't think we'll forget Luis um, Luis Suarez as well. I don't think when his career is finished, I don't think we'll forget what he has done in World Cups. But it's interesting. But what, what's the first thing you'll remember about Luis Suarez? Well, he's bite. That's the first thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's the first, the first thing. thing I'll ever think about when I talk about Suarez is how many people he's bitten. Yeah. He's bitten three people. Like, yeah. that, that's... And, and apparently, like, listening to Jamie Carragher the other day, he was saying, after the biting of uh, Ivanovic yeah. in that game against Chelsea, when they came in after the game, Suarez said to all his teammates, I didn't bite him. Mm. And he, Jamie Carragher said, I, we all believed him. And then, obviously, we all saw the video footage... And then afterwards, he went, oh, yeah, I did bite him. Well, like, he goes, but he goes, I think he thought that maybe he got away with it, that no one, none of the TV cameras picked up on it. So he would just deny, deny, deny until such time is proven, proven otherwise. And that's his mentality. You know, that just, that just, I think, pretty much sums him up. But by all accounts, listen, I know people who know him, and they say he's a, a top, top guy. Sure, yeah. He just he lies through his yeah. teeth. A ba dum bum ching. No, well done. Yeah, you got, lined you up very Woo-hoo. well, didn't I? Lined you up. <laughs> How good. And on that note. And that, exactly. <laughs> on that note, this is the last episode because <laughs> we can't top it. Ever. That's it. Now, Mark, thank you. We'll be, of course, back same time, same place. Um, and and thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Chateauneuf de Pup. Uh, and let's not forget, right? Just in case any other any other podcasts pop up there that talk about wine as well and football yeah. and maybe a couple of other we were the first ones. We came up with the idea. We were the first ones, and I think someone may yep. have been tapping into our idea. I'm not going to confirm nor deny anything at this stage, Mark. But I think it's good that we just trade unofficially trademark it right here, right now. Uh, that, that, that we were the pioneers of the red wine cross into uh, into footballing world. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.